Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. So if you take your Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 7. I'm going to talk about some traditions that Jesus has to wrestle with. If you have a, I think it's a yellow piece of paper there, you can use that to take some notes if you so choose. And I encourage you to do that. So at the top of that note paper, it says tradition gets so embedded that it can actually hinder our relationship with God. God has always been more concerned with our insides, our heart, than our outsides, hands. And we're going to look at that tradition today. I'm going to read that again. God has always been more concerned with our insides, our heart, than our outsides, our hands. Jesus faced this hypocritical spirit in his day, and so do we. God is not pleased when our tradition and information outweighs our transformation. So we're going to take a peek at the Bible text today. Mark chapter 7 verses 1 through 13. Jesus just uh, gets completed with uh, feeding the 5,000 and walking on water. It's kind of the pinnacle of his early ministry years. And from here, down, from here it kind of goes down because he's starting to challenge the hearts. And so this is what it says, Mark chapter 7 verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem from the big place, Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were uncleaned, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of the elders. We're going to talk about that. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Then he takes them back to the Ten Commandments. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban. That is a gift devoted to God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And then this is sad. And you do many things like that. That is the reading of God's word. So the problem we're going to talk about is found in really verses uh, 6, 7, and 8 there. Well, 6 and 7. Uh, the problem is that these people, he's quoting from Isaiah now, 
Jesus is, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have to let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. So that really is the problem. The greatest commandment, remember Jesus was asked what of all the 613 Old Testament commandments, what was the greatest one? And you know it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. God is always, and he, and he started it in the Old Testament, because that is an Old Testament command. He started it in the Old Testament. God is always concerned about the heart. The Pharisees were outwardly focused and their worship, the Lord says here, was in vain. To, be, to worship in vain means to, be, to worship empty. Their worship was useless. Their worship was pointless. Their worship was lifeless. And really probably the point of our entire message, because I think it's the point of scripture here, is this, when God looks at your heart, and he sees your heart, he sees our hearts. When God looks at our hearts, what does he see? What does he see? All right, some things we're going to go through here. First point is this, spiritual truth is lost in tradition. Spiritual truth is lost in tradition. This confrontation, I think we need to get this out at the beginning, is not about sanitary problems. I mean, the disciples knew sanitary laws. They knew that they were supposed to wash their hands before they ate. So it wasn't like when your mom says, you know, when you were young, go wash your hands before you eat. That was because you really did have dirty hands, all right? You really did need to wash them before you ate. The disciples didn't have dirty hands and this was not so much for sanitary reasons. This was extra rules that the Pharisees created. In Exodus chapter 30, verses 19 through 20, this is where the rule came in. The priests were to wash their hands and feet as a symbol of purity before they entered the, uh, the temple. So that's really where this all came from. It was from Exodus 30, verses 19 through 20. The priests, as a show of purity, were to wash their hands and feet before they entered the temple. But over the many, 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 many years from Exodus to the time of Jesus, this simple ceremony had turned into, are you ready for this, 30 plus chapters in the tradition of the elders. So washing your hands went from one command in Exodus to 30 chapters in the Jewish books that were called the Mishnah and the Jamara, which put together make up what is called the Talmud hand washing, and most every other part of Jewish law had become super, super duper heavy and burdensome. If you take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 23, you'll remember a few years ago when we talked about the seven woes. Well, they are in Matthew chapter 23. If you look at verses 1 through 7, this is what 
Jesus says, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up, here it is, heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels, that gentleman there, the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and to have men call them rabbi. Jesus and his disciples here did not break the law of Moses. They broke the tradition of the elders. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He is calling out the Pharisees and their hypocritical rules. That's really the point of what's going on here. And Jesus says, hey, it's lip service versus heart service. And so if you're taking notes, he's really saying, hey, it's, it's, it, it, it's about the heart. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus, as we've already said, is all about the heart and biblical obedience. That's the whole theme of our year. 2020 is biblical obedience. That's why we sing at the end of our... Uh, service, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I, I, I want to I do what you have called me to do. King David was chosen because he was a man after God's own heart. That's what it says of King David. Tradition and lip service clouds over heart service. And so... I think most of you are aware we are a church that is 162 years old. Do you think we have any traditions here? <laughs> oh, I could, I could really open a can of worms here. But just think about this. Being around for 162 years, that sign out there above the front door says, German Baptist Church. This service was conducted in German for years and years and years and years and years. And it was probably a very difficult change for them to move from German to English. But they had to do that. They had to break a tradition. I'm sure 25 years ago there was a different dress code at the Minnetrista Baptist Church than there currently is. Tradition, service time. We go to church for one hour on Sunday. If you break that, if you go... See, that's, that's a funny thing. People say, well, pastors only work one hour a week. I say, that's fine. And I say then to that, and every time I try to work a little bit of overtime, you don't let me. You know? I think that's kind of fun. Uh, musical styles. Woo! We could go on for that. Preaching styles. The role of a pastor. The furnishings. Our finances. Our unwritten rules. And so on. And so on. And so on. And so on. Pretty much any time I hear we never did it that way. Or you can't do that. I pretty much think about tradition. So the Bible does give clear instruction how we are to worship. 
In John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, Jesus says, when you come together, or really your whole life needs to be in an attitude of worship that is done in spirit and in truth. So what does that mean, in spirit and in truth? I've read that for many, 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 many years. What does that mean? We are to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. The idea of the spirit is really the spiritual. We are supposed to worship God inwardly, spiritually, sacrificially, lovingly, heartfelt. It's the inside. It's the inside. And then we are to worship God in truth. And the truth there is biblical truth. That's why it's so important to read our Bibles. To discover what is biblical truth. That is how we are to worship. Both are necessary. You can't have too much spirit and not enough truth. Or you can't have no spirit and all truth. You've got to have both. It's got to be spiritually, inwardly, sacrificially, lovingly, heartfelt. And it needs to be truthful. It needs to be biblical. So what does Jesus do in our story here? Well, he gives an illustration. He gives an illustration. The uh, teachers of the law, the Pharisees, are upset with disciples because they are not following the tradition of the elders, all of those 30-plus chapters of how to wash, and the washing, and it also includes the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. So there's all kinds of these rules. And so Jesus... Uh, we're going to look at this, takes them back to the Old Testament, which they are, you know, of course, followers of, and right back to the Ten Commandments. Jesus says in verse 9, You have a fine way of setting aside the commandments of God in order to observe your own traditions. The tradition of the elders. For Moses said, fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. All right? I think we probably need to share that verse with our teenagers a little bit more. <laughs> uh, that is Exodus 21.17. It says anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. So there was some strict rules as to how the family was to operate. And so then it says, but you say, and there's the problem right there, but you say, but you say. And that's why we always got to go back to what does God say? What does God say? What does God say about music? What does God say about dress? What does God say about the role of a pastor? What does God say about the role of a parishioner? What does God say? What does God say? What does God say? And Jesus really uh, pulls out the problem here. But you say, and then he gives this illustration, that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban. That is a gift devoted to God, and we'll explain that in a bit. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things just like that. So if you're taking notes, he uses the illustration of honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. To honor means to love, to respect, to care for, to support. And then as I shared, Jesus says, but you say, and that's really bingo, that's really the problem. 
And we've said this a million times, but it's also, it's true, it needs to be said all the time, the Bible is our ultimate authority on what we believe and how we behave. So what we believe, we go to the Bible. What we, how we behave, we go to the Bible. A korban is a vow to devote one's possessions to the Lord. And so basically the son is saying this to his mom and dad. Mom and dad, I see you have a need, but I've made a vow that I can't break. And the son might say, remember Numbers 30 verse 2 says, if I make a vow to the Lord, I can't break it. I've made a vow to the Lord to give all I possess to God. Now here's the key. After I die, so I can't give or help you out in any way. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and so you could see how that could really be a problem for a mom or dad who was in need and the son says, I've given it all to the Lord. I can spend it any way I want to now, but when I die, it's all going to the temple. And so it's a way of disrespecting your parents who are in need. The idea was not biblical. You can't find the word korban in any biblical text. It was not biblical. But again, it found its way into, tra into the tradition of the elders. And Jesus is condemning the Pharisees for breaking the actual law of God for their tradition. And so Jesus is saying, for our next point, don't invalidate God's word with your tradition. Don't invalidate God's word with your tradition. If we are saying th that a tradition is actually God's word, then we've got an issue. We've got a problem. We've got to go back to God's word. So don't invalidate God's word with your tradition. And that's what verse 13 says. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and because of this Talmud that you have created, you have burdened the people so that it's, it's, it's too heavy. They can't do it. They can't do it. Jewish tradition is what keeps Jews away from Jesus. Old Testament Judaism embraces Jesus as the Messiah. The whole Old Testament points to Jesus, but traditional Judaism does not. But instead of picking on the Jews... I thought I'd pick on us. And I may get myself in trouble for this, but that's okay, I kind of like that. Uh, I told you the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. So I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I've done a little something here, <laughs> and I think it's kind of clever, but you may not. I actually made copies of what I'm going to read to you, uh, and it's down there if you'd like to challenge it in any way or talk about it. I think it'll be fun. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, the, pretty much the whole chapter is Paul talking to the Corinthians about food that is sacrificed to idols. 
So what I did was I took 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and I took out the food sacrificed to idols and I exchanged it with something that we're very familiar with these days. Alright, so if you want to follow along, you can. I took out where it says food sacrificed to idols. It says now about food sacrificed to idols. Alright, I want to change that and this is what I changed it to. Now about... Are you ready? Face masks. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Now I'm jumping down to verse 4. So then, about face masks. We know that a face mask is nothing in all the world. And now I'm jumping down to verse 7. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to face masks that when everyone wears them, they feel comfortable around other people. Yes, you may say their faith is weak, but face masks do not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we wear them and no better if we don't. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge not wearing a face mask in public, won't that person be emboldened to not wear a face mask too and maybe be more susceptible to COVID-19. Now that's, that's really not in there, but that was what I put. So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge and may get sick when you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if me not wearing a face mask causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never again not wear a face mask so that I will not cause them to fall. <laughs> That's my little, uh, I guess, soapbox. Um, there's a possibility, and we're all aware of that, that the governor may say that if you go into a public building, you have to wear a face mask. All right? David has already told me that he's going to stand out in front of our church with a sawed-off pool cue. No, he didn't. <laughs> He did not say that. He did not say that. It will be interesting to see when people come to our church if the governor says in churches we ought to wear face masks. I know that some of you are very much against them. But I wanted to talk about that just for a second. In terms of all of this and meat sacrifice to idols, maybe you can get that same idea with face masks. Maybe you can't. That would be fun to talk about. What he's saying here is... Uh, God wants us to worship spiritually from the heart and truthfully from the Word of God. All other worship is meaningless and vain to God. And all the traditional things we do are meaningless if not accompanied by spirit and truth. 
And so I wrote this, and I, I, I've told you that I, that I highlight this, and if it's pink, it's really important, so I, I put this. So if the governor signs a mandatory face mask rule, please consider the second greatest commandment and maybe your weaker brother or sister over yourself. Lastly, the solution. Lastly, the solution. And it's found in verse 13, really. If you're taking notes, you just want to write the word repent. Repent. If we have been weighing tradition over God's word, we need to repent. Basically, we need to turn around from that. If you look at Philippians chapter 3, uh, the Apostle Paul is saying, you know what, man? <laughs> I was so devout. I was so devout. I followed all of those rules. All 30 pages of hand-washing rules, the Apostle Paul says, I followed. I followed. If you look at uh, Philippians chapter 3, this is what he says. And verse 4, the second part, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence of, in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day the people of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But look what he says in verse 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now can consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Savior, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may be found in Christ. So the solution that Jesus uh, gives to the Pharisees really is don't nullify God's word with your tradition. And if you have, then repent. Turn from that. Confess my unbiblical worship. Confess my unwillingness to be biblically obedient and worship in spirit and truth. And say, I don't want to be a part of it anymore. And then the next point use tradition and information. Now there's nothing wrong with tradition. Nothing wrong with it. Use it, tradition and information, for heart transformation. Use tradition and information. I mean we sing the, the, the doxology. That's a traditional thing we do at the Minnetrista Baptist Church. And if you really look at those words for what they are and really speak them and sing them with your heart, you can use that tradition and that information for heart transformation. You can, you can, you can praise God from whom all blessings flow. So you can use that. And one last verse, you don't have to turn to it, but Galatians 4.19. And really, this is what our prayer is. Paul is saying to the church in Galatia, I want Christ to be fully developed in my life. That's what transformation is. I want Christ to be fully developed in my life. I want to use tradition and information for heart transformation. And at the bottom of your bulletin it says, uh, love God and obey His Word. That's what God wants. To, for us to love Him and to obey His Word. 
And that daily transformation makes us more like Jesus. That's why we sing the song, I'll say yes, Lord, yes. But until we sing that song, we're going to sing another one. And it's change my heart, O God. Let's say a prayer together. Lord, we thank you for your word. And yeah, a 162-year-old church can get caught up occasionally in tradition. And some of it is good and some of it is not so good. So Lord, help us to weigh, according to what your word says, what is good and what is not so good. And then, Lord, let us use your word to transform us, to make us more like Jesus, our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.